My mom has a permanently stuck in the 80s thing. We're talking teased up feathered hair, acid wash denim jacket, and shoulder pads. So many shoulder pads. But I just got a new phone from AT&T. And check this out. I got a second phone to gift my mom. So now she can finally ditch her old one for a phone that can actually stream all the 80s shows she loves. Come into an AT&T store and find out how to get a smartphone on us. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. See store for details. Good night, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. We would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross, and I'm here with my co-host and collaborator, Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are also here tonight with Q.L. Pierce, who is our um, uh, young adult guest host. But uh, before we get to all that, um, I'm going to turn it over to Tamara, who's going to tell you what's going on in the Thorn and Cross universe. Yes, I am. I'm going to tell you about Ravencrest. In a remote part of California, Ravencrest Manor, imported stone by stone from England more than two centuries ago, looms tall and terrifying, gathering its dark and unnatural powers and drawing those it wants as its own. In Exorcism, book three of the Ravencrest saga, something evil is stirring in the deep, dark waters of the estate's indoor pool as ghostly jazz age parties fill the air with phantom music. Within the mansion, a maid is visited nightly by a demon lover. And governess Belinda Moreland is haunted by the spirit of Violet LeBlanc, a silent movie star who was driven mad in her prime and wants Belinda to help her in her search for justice. The Ravencrest Saga series is, the fir- is first released in serialized installments, and the first two episodes, Begotten and Incubus, are available now on Amazon. The third's coming uh, very soon. Alistair? All right. Uh, and if you want to get the first two full books in the Ravencrest Saga, that is The Ghosts of Ravencrest and The Witches of Ravencrest, you can get them both in ebook and paperback at Amazon and pretty much wherever books are sold. All right. Uh, As I said, tonight we're joined by our special young adult guest host, Q.L. Pierce. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her before she introduces our special guest tonight. Uh, Q.L. Pierce, whose many accomplishments include, but are not limited to, being the author of the hit series Scary Stories for Sleepovers, Titan A.E., The Land Before Time, and over 150 other books for middle grade and young adult readers, has won the Carter G. Woodson Gold Medal, the Moonbeam uh, Children's Book Award, and many others. Her multi-award winning book, Red Bird Sings, uh, received praise from Publishers Weekly, the School Library Journal, and the Library Media Connection. All right, we are thrilled to have you, Q. Go ahead and take it away. Thanks for being on tonight. Thank you so much. And um, 
night we have a, an incredible guest. The name Ellen Hopkins is very well known and revered in the YA community. Ellen is a former freelance journalist and the multi-award winning author of 20 nonfiction books for young readers, four novels for adults, and 14 novels for young adults, many written in verse. She has spent so much time on the New York Times bestseller list that she should have a parking space there with her name on it. Ellen has been named to the Nevada Writers <laughs> Hall of Fame, but probably her most impressive kudos are from her fans who say that her books have helped them uh, through some of the most difficult times in their lives and perhaps even saved their lives. Her books address such topics as sex trafficking, abuse, addiction, and suicide. Her latest YA novel, People Kill People, addresses gun violence. Truly an American horror show. Ellen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, well, let's start with a little bit of background. You're a native Californian, right, from Long Beach? That's correct. Yep. Born and raised and lived there until about the time I turned 30 and decided to start fresh with a new husband and a bunch of kids. <laughs> okay, and in, in that time during your childhood, I I know you're a dedicated animal person, but I just learned that as a child or a, a young woman, you showed horses for a time, and you were a barrel racer. Is that true? That's absolutely correct. In fact, I keep um, okay. <laughs> threatening my I keep I keep threatening my husband. I'm going to get a barrel horse and go on the circuit. He's like, No, I think you should stay home and write books. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, as a writer, I know that in in the beginning, you've always written. You said that you, as soon as you could put words on a page, you have wanted to write. But you did a lot of searching for where you belonged, including writing nonfiction and starting a small publishing company. Would you tell us a little about your journey to publication as a poet and a novelist? Yeah, it was um, it was very long and convoluted. So, um, studied journalism in college, but I met Mr. Rom at that point and dropped out to get married and have a couple kids. And I ran my own businesses for a time. Um, and then when that marriage dissolved, and I again, I and I found my current husband, who we've been together now 34 very long years. <laughs> so I think this one's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We, we moved. <laughs> We moved up to Tahoe, so at that point I had sold my businesses, I had a little money coming in, and I decided, okay, now is the time I can finance my career as a, as a writer, so I moved into freelance journalism and did that for a number of years, and it was really fun, you know, you get to meet cool people and you get to travel and, you know, do cool things, mm-hmm. um, and some some of those articles became interesting to me to write for kids, because I was raising kids, so as nonfiction books. And they became the seeds of my first two of those 20. And then, so at that time, I was in my 30s. Um, and I didn't actually publish my first fiction, my first novel, Crank, until I turned 49. So it was a long journey, and but it was worth it. And you did have a little publishing company as well? You tried that? Right. And so... Juniper Creek, and we did, um, I did some Nevada books for kids because at that time I was living in northern Nevada where I continued to live. 
And um, also we did a little kid's newspaper that we did. It was called Three Leaping Frogs, and we delivered it to all our local schools, and it had Nevada history, personalities. So just um, to try to keep our Nevada kids interested in Nevada. All right. Well, that's that's a great journey from there to your first novel, which was Crank. What is the story behind that book? Right, so so I thought I was going to, actually at the time I thought I was going to write picture books. It never really even occurred to me to write young adult. Uh, picture books is not, by the way, my skill set. You know, like entire story mm-hmm. arcs and 400 words, that's not here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and I, I, I value picture book writers very much. I really do. But um, it was a very personal story that happened to my family in that my daughter who was, she was like a straight-A kid, you know, she was going places, but she met the wrong guy, and she fell into meth addiction. So um, her dreams were actually gone at 17 years old. She had big dreams, and they were gone. And I thought, and it was a few years after after she had gone to prison, actually, that I decided that I would want to write her story fictionalized for young adults because I wanted to turn them off that path if I could by showing the very real how quickly you can find yourself mired in, in addiction and how it affects not only the addict but everyone who loves the addict. Um, and my mm-hmm. goal was to help young young people make better choices. Nice. How was that book received in the beginning? Um, well, in the beginning, it, I mean, it wasn't like an automatic bestseller because nobody knew who I was as an author, really. So um, it took a little while to pick up steam, but but once it did, um, it became a, a hugely. I mean, it's a it's a became a phenomenon, really. I, you know, it's a huge staple. There are currently uh, more than two million copies of that book in print around the world. So it's made a lot of account. The good yeah. difference, you know. And you do hear from readers who who love the book for one reason or another. The parents the kids themselves you you do hear from your readers on that still oh of course i mean the book that book still it's still not only in print but it's uh, i'm told by librarians it's one of their most replaced books because it either gets used up or it has legs and walks uh-huh right. do you when when you begin um your books do you begin like crank had a, a character um, and a story idea, and it also had life experience. Do you, do any of those three, um, does it come in a certain order? Do you start with a character or a story idea? Is there always life experience for you in the books? How, what's the the order there when you start to write a new book? Um, you know, it could come in different orders. So, like, I, get, I hear from my readers a lot. So I might, if I get sort of the same story idea from several different readers. Like, you should write a book about, and it comes from a lot of different uh-huh. readers. And I'll, I'll have to think about that maybe this is something that's important currently in, within the teen landscape. Or sometimes it will be something that happens to a friend, or I read about it in the news, um, but just something that will spark a story idea. And after that, it's character creation. So my pre-write is all in building characters um, that would uh-huh. fit the theme of the book. And then I let those characters talk to me and tell me their stories. So 
it's I, it's probably an inefficient process for a lot of people, but it works for me. <laughs> okay, and uh, the topics are some are gut wrenching and and gritty. How how do you research that? So it's a lot of primary research um, with tricks and traffic, which deal with domestic minor sex trafficking. I actually spent time. Um, working with Las Vegas Vice, I um, talked to young people who are working the streets um, with the traffic, which is about survivorship. I worked with survivors of sex trafficking, um, helping them write their stories, uh, and which also inspired character ideas for me. Or sometimes I could just mm-hmm. throw it out. I have a pretty wide social media net at this point, so I could throw it out to my mm-hmm. readers. Like for, in Perfect, there was a there was a beauty pageant thread, and I I've not had any pageant experience, but I threw it out to my readers. You know who's been involved with it, and so I got all these stories back, and not just from people that did pageants, but like from their parents and how expensive it was, or from their sisters who hated their sisters for being so beautiful, or. Whatever. So uh-huh. you, know, you take all those stories and you you distill what you need from them to create the characters that you want. So you have a real two way street with your fans. You you have a close connection uh, through social yeah, media um, with your fans. Right, and I, you know I was I was actually very early into seeing the value of social media and building a readership. Like when I first started um, with Crank, MySpace was the only platform out there. Facebook wasn't big at the time. It was just mm-hmm. MySpace. And I, I built relationships. It allowed readers to come to me um, privately and readers from all over the country to be able to come to me privately and tell me their stories or talk to me about my story or what they felt was important. So that building that social media network was um Something I saw the value in early, and I've you know continued to do it today. Even though you know I have a big readership, but I still like to have that that personal contact with them. Okay. Now, not counting um, the book we're going to talk about tonight, your most recent novel. Which of your books do you think has had the most far-reaching effect on readers? Um, I mean, I well, Crank's for sure because addiction is something that touches. Everybody, you know, every family somewhere. Uh-huh. Not necessarily, not necessarily meth addiction, but some kind of addiction. And then, um, uh-huh. and I think impulse, impulse, which is about three kids whose lives connect in a psych hospital after separate attempted suicide. So it's about their friendship that forms and whether the bond is enough to get them out of that space. That book speaks to a lot of kids because it deals with like depression, you know, thoughts of suicide, uh-huh. um, cut, cutting, and you know, kind of those things that kids are experiencing but don't want to talk about. Um, so that book for sure. Okay. Now you you do a lot of different forms. You've contributed to anthologies. You write short stories, essays. You write in different formats and styles, including verse and prose. How do you decide the form that a work should take? Do you know when you're starting or do you get into the book and let it show you? Um. I I know going in that I might, like, with the later books, I decided, you know, consciously to put more prose in to invite in readers that maybe look at verse and don't, can't figure out how to read poetry. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. the books that are written in, the, the books that are written in verse, they read like fiction. You, you know, after you get into the style, you forget that you're reading verse. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I guess certain styles fit certain stories. You know, I, I was I was 
a lot of YA is written in first person, and I, I wrote my first 13 YA books in first person, and then with this new one, I decided I wanted to try, you know, omniscient in second, and, and the book I'm just getting ready uh-huh. to turn in now is all omniscient because I just, certain, like the book I'm going to turn in now is kind of near future, so that tends to be written in third or omniscient anyway. It's just okay. certain styles fit certain stories. Okay. Now, you're, the, book, the book that you are now um, bringing out, People Kill People, that there are so many elements to it. Uh, there is the verse, the, the look of the words on the page in some cases, the, um, the fact that it's in second person, um, some of it, not all of it, but um, is just amazing to read. Um, but the the topic itself right now uh, is gun violence. How do you think that affects right. our children in daily life? Gun violence um, itself. Well, I'm I'm raising another generation of kids right now, so I'm raising three grandchildren. Um, and with my first, with my kids, there was never any thought of someone coming into their school with a gun. I mean, it just wasn't thought of. Um, now my littlest, you know, she came in the other day to tell me all about how she learned to run a zigzag pattern in a lockdown drill and where she would hide and be very, very quiet if something happened. And so this is something that's on their minds, and it, it must be. And I think uh, we have to try to find some kind of common sense solution to, to make our kids safer, which is why one of the reasons I wanted to write this book. Now, I don't remember exactly the back cover copy, but I know it was basically there's uh, six people, one gun, someone shoots, someone dies. And you chose to introduce the characters as you get into the book um, in a, a unique way. You allow the reader to slip into the skin of each character one at a time, learn who they are, and then start to see how they connect and how they interact. Um, was there a particular reason you set the book up this way? Yeah, because I wanted to look at, at different reasons that someone might pick up guns. So, you know, I came up with, with the idea of, you know, there's revenge, there's jealousy, there's anger, there's, you know, protectiveness, there's maybe thoughts of suicide. So there are different reasons that people you know, might be tempted by the voice of violence, which is kind of omniscient threat in the book, to pick up a gun and, and take care of what they think their problem is in that moment, you know. Um, and so, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I got to, I'm not sure how I got to six, but it just worked out that way. <laughs> Sometimes you just keep, you keep going until it feels right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I loved, as I read it, I loved seeing how each character connected with each other character. It was like a, a puzzle within the book as well. So that was, I thought it was really cool. So w- would you mind reading us a passage from uh, People Kill People? Sure. This will actually be from the voice of violence as seducer um, because I think there's a little piece, there's a little part of all of us that could fall prey to this voice. So we'll start here. This is the beginning. You, yes, you, come here, please. I need to ask you something. Have you ever felt the desire to hurt someone? I mean, pummel them, wound them, watch them bleed. Did you? Would you? Could you? If I were the gambling type, I'd put my money on yes. 
See, there's this thing inside every one of you, the collective human call toward violence. All it takes is one singular moment to encourage it into play, and the lamb transforms, becomes the lion. Take it one step further. Have you ever thought about killing someone? I mean, poisoning them, bludgeoning them, grabbing a well-honed knife and carving them into pieces? Chances are you haven't, wouldn't, couldn't follow through. Contemplate. What's required to become the catalyst for death? A moral compass sprung and spinning haywire? Antifreeze flowing through your veins? Or perhaps nothing more than circumstance? In that instant, when the lamb unleashes its roar, would you heed the call or instead defer to the quivering voice of reason? Like dawn and dusk, existence and demise are inextricably linked. As per the grand scheme, either drafted by some all-powerful architect or randomly designed. Perhaps this is true, the true knowledge of Eden, not the mechanics of procreation, but the promise that one's time on earth is nothing more than a journey toward inevitable departure. Surely the ancient ones who bore witness to birth in the wild and death from claw or club or predation by creatures too small for the eye to identify were aware of nature's plot as their spines uncurled and they drew upright to run, discovered the value of flint, the power of spear and arrow, the lust for blood billowed like a black-bellied cloud. Oh, to wield a weapon mercilessly, extinguish a beating heart. The millennia crept forward, dawn to dusk to dawn to dusk, and humankind shed its fur, fashioned clothes, deserted its caves in favor of villages, cities. But even as people learned to plant, Harness sunlight and rain to nurture gardens, fields. Their passion for the hunt remained. They killed in the name of survival, protection, vengeance. They killed in response to lust, jealousy, despair. They killed for the thrill, the simple pleasure of witnessing bloodshed. Wow. So that is the voice nice. of violence in, throughout the book? That's the voice. That's the voice of violence. And the voice of violence is calling to the characters throughout the book, asking them to do things that they would otherwise not do. Right, right. And um, now you personally, you grew up um, in a situation where you were, um, you were taught how to use a gun and you were you're a pretty good shot and you, you know, have no problem with, with Second Amendment rights and all. So this is not... This is not about that. This is about the humanity, right, the character. Right. And my dad, yeah, my dad was a hunter and a gun collector. I grew up with guns in the house. Um, you know, and he kept them locked up. For the most part, we didn't see them. There were a couple times when kind of in a a drunken rage. And my dad was like a weekend alcoholic. Like he didn't touch a drop from like church Sunday till Friday night. And from Friday night till church Sunday, he was wasted drunk. Um, and a couple of occasions uh, I watched him put a, put a gun to my mom's head. And she was able to oh talk God. him out of it. So there are there are occasions when even responsible gun owners are irresponsible. And um, mm-hmm. they have to figure out ways to, like, be, be safer. That's all, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really um, struck by that, that voice of violence when you were when the characters were being described and, you know, their daily lives, every once in a while the voice would whisper something and, and it just felt 
so eerie and and dark. Um, now you you write about a lot of serious and often deadly topics. You don't deflect and you don't pull punches. What do you think about censorship, particularly for books for teens? Well, as one of the most banned and challenged authors in this country, I obviously don't think much about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know yeah, what? Do you I'm think... sorry. Sure. I've got a. Go oh. No, there's a phone. My phone. The room phone is because I'm in my room and I know there's a car coming for me, so they're probably calling to let me know that the driver's here. But <laughs> I told them five hundred. Okay. So we still have a few minutes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you want to wait for a second, or should I go on? Oh uh, no! Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I've only got a couple more questions, and I know that you have uh, you have to get out. So um, this one is you. You have a book called Triangles that's written for adults, and right. Hilt is written for teens. But the two have a similar set of circumstances. Do you think that the delineation between YA and adult serves a purpose, or is it artificial? Um, I think, so for me, what I think the difference is, is that teen is very um, discovery-focused. Teens are learning who they are. They're discovering things. Um, adult is more reflective because we, you know, we judge our todays by a lot more yesterdays than teens do. So we have time to, mm-hmm. they're slower because we, we consider we we put our perspective to what we're experiencing now, and teens aren't allowed to do that. There's a little bit of pacing difference mm-hmm. um, in the two, um, and again, that I think that's the main thing for me. Okay, okay. My last question is: with with all of this that you write about and the research and everything, what do you do to calm your own psyche? I mean, you can't keep all of this in your head without some some way to release that. Right. Well, my favorite thing to do is to go out and run with my dog. <laughs> it's really, it's, okay. it's, it puts things in order. It kind of gets me out into the outside, you know, it, it kind of free, it frees the creative space and the kind of more um, calm space in my life. That and I garden, so I, I create beauty uh, outside, which I think is important. So you create beauty um, on the other end of that. Okay. Well, Ellen, uh, I know you're on tour. Uh, what cities are you going to be going to in the next week or so? Um, tomorrow I go to St. Louis for a book festival on Saturday. Um, and then on October 6th, I'm at the Texas Teen Book Festival in Austin. So those are the two big ones coming up. Um, so I've got okay. weekends up for, for a while. Okay. And you have a new, you're working on a new project? I am. Uh, it's got a working title of Sanctuary Highway. It's near future. Um, it's kind of like where this country could go if it kept going the direction that it, look, it looks like it's headed to me. So not quite dystopia, but maybe approaching dystopia. <laughs> okay. And where can people find you? What's uh, Where would you prefer, like a Facebook or? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Yeah, website's my, actually, just go to my website. It's myname.com. And from there you can find all my social media connections right there. 
Excellent. Ellen, I, I just can't appreciate, tell you how much I appreciate you taking some time. I know you're busy, you're in the middle of a tour, and you're probably exhausted. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to us, and I hope that you will come back and visit us again. Thanks. Thanks so much for having Indeed. me. appreciate it. Sure. Uh, you're All welcome. All Alex? right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, very quickly, uh, this is Thorne and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. Uh, we're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. We're also here with QL Pierce. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com, qlpierce.com, and tamarathorne.com. Uh, you can also follow the Thorn and Cross Mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, you can find us at, at tamarathorn, at crossalister, at qlpierce. You can also visit our 100 Nights Live page on Facebook. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Thank you for listening, uh, and until next week, we wish you haunted nights, sweet screams, and be sure to check under the bed before you turn off the light. All right. Thank you for joining us. Good night, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. My mom has a permanently stuck in the 80s thing. We're talking teased up feathered hair, acid washed denim jacket, and shoulder pads. So many shoulder pads. But I just got a new phone from AT&T. And check this out. I got a second phone to gift my mom. So now she can finally ditch her old one for a phone that can actually stream all the 80s shows she loves. Come into an AT&T store and find out how to get a smartphone on us. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. See store for details. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer All the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.